0: So you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get some more sleep.
1: And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it in a pre-planned fashion in your own warm comfortable bed than in our pews. You can catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast.
0: Now, if you catch the sermon on a podcast, you're going to miss some things about church that we think are pretty cool, like intergenerational community and the support and encouragement and challenge that comes along with that. You're going to miss the darling children during children's moment and the cookies afterwards and some really inspiring music, but we will give you what we can.
1: I'm Susan Foster.
0: And I'm Chris Marshall.
1: And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a brand new age. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week.
0: We started this podcast so if you're away from home or working, or coaching your kids' soccer teams,
1: or maybe just sleeping in.
0: You can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church.
1: Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, and whatever you're doing while you're listening to this, we hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart.
0: And a quick note. We really don't care if you agree with everything we have to say or not. We encourage you to use that thing between your ears to figure out what you think. Our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God, moving in your life as you consider this.
1: So, Chris, I am revisiting the Beatitudes again today. Ooh, whoop. I know.
0: And I'll link in the last two sermons from the Beatitudes.
1: <laughs> One of the things um, about how often this comes up, about the, Be- the Beatitudes coming up, is that it is one of those things that we do not hear as the radical statements that they are. Right. Because they become those things that we embroider and put on our wall. Or as I said to my folks, I feel like I say this all the time. But we are not hearing this with the saltiness with which it was delivered.
0: Saltiness.
1: Right? We don't, we, it doesn't have the ability to surprise us that those who heard it, when Jesus first said those words, when Matthew first put them down, you know, put them down so other people could hear them. These were shocking things. And we've heard the Sermon on the Mount and the, the Beatitudes so often that Money Python can make a joke about it. And
0: we still get the joke. And we still get the joke. Yeah.
1: So that's how distant and buffered we are from this text. But the the Sermon on the Mount not just a, 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 a series of empty statements that sound nice coming from the pulpit. Um, they're surprising words from the mouth of Jesus. And, and for me, I think
0: when I've talked to people who are not church folks mm-hmm. about the Beatitudes... It's not even that they're sort of nice platitudes. It's that they're like they just don't make any sense. sense.
1: They don't make any like, sense. Like they ju-
0: they seem like right. these cliche ways of pushing away issues when really it's Jesus' way of drawing our attention yes, to issues. Yes, exactly.
1: And I have this picture of Jesus delivering this sermon right on the side of a mountain. And he's sort of the way that Matthew sets him up mm-hmm. is that he's sort of this. Moses, Elijah, David combination. Yeah. You know, he's the Moses coming down the mountain with the Ten Commandments and Elijah, the revered messenger of God and David, the beloved king, all... All mushed up into one. All
0: mushed up into one kind of lackadaisical rabbi.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's what I think that's what's so shocking is that we don't, we, we already know the end of the story. Yeah. We we are not the folks who are in the first century expecting the radical overthrow of the Roman government and the, the, the freedom of people like the experience in Egypt. Mm hmm. So, Jesus says this, and his words that the words that come out when they're about, they think they're going to hear the call to arms flips the script completely.
0: Right. They think he's gathering his forces, and really what he's doing is just his normal, like, I'm going to teach and heal and.
1: Yeah, I'm going to teach and heal and heal and move
0: on with my life. Yeah.
1: And and so, this isn't the reincarnation of David, Elijah, Moses, Mm -hmm. all rolled into one. This is something quite different. There's no heaven. He's not talking about like heavenly fire and brimstone going to come down and smite you. Mm-hmm. He's got these words about blessed are the poor and blessed are the those who mourn and blessed are the meek and blessed are those who hunger. And so this is a discussion about power that doesn't come the way we still expect power to come. Right. So these messages should be shocking to us mm-hmm. because they don't actually fit into the power paradigm that we see in the world.
0: Right. Right. Because when you're meek and humble and when you're trying to keep the peace, you're not yeah. the person that they make the CEO of the company or elect to office no. or do anything else. You know, you've got to have some, have some right. ego to do those right, things.
1: Right, We have this image of God as this domineering God with, you know, God's power and might and power, you know. But God doesn't come into the world with power plays and power seeking ways. Mm-hmm. Jesus shows up in the world and says, God's action. And power is shared differently. And here's the example of how I understand that. You know, when you know, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Means that when you are grieving, you know what it is to suffer loss, and so you don't want anyone else to do that, mm-hmm. have that experience. Or, or if you are hunger and thirst for righteousness, you go and seek that righteousness because right. you're hungry and thirsty for it and that's a great place to be in to know god is present with you to see the kingdom of god and all of these are like that you know that god was,
0: sort of flips the script from our pain and our loss and our hardship into compassion and, and mercy, mercy and, and justice yes, and those other things right. but but that that that's not a Weakness. like it's not like a boot camp person yelling at you it's somebody who comes alongside you and helps you in this moment to see what is holy and what is good and what is true
1: exactly exactly and you know when you when you're a peacemaker the reward is that you're a child of god not that, you know...
0: Because nobody else is going to like you.
1: Nobody else is going to like <laughs> you, you, but you are in so the midst better, of what God wants you to be in Right, the midst you better of. find
0: your worth in God because God is also doing that work. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, and all of these, that's what that's about. Like It's that, that connection, that direct connection with where, where God is and how God is showing up in the world. And the reality is, you know, this is all saints. We, this is the sermon for all saints. Mm-hmm. God shows up in unexpected places and unexpected people. God shows up in the saints of God. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Imagine that God shows up in these holy and unholy and whole and broken vessels mm-hmm. that we are. And so that I took this as an opportunity to share about some some saints. Okay. So the first saint I want to lift up is, um, her name is Catherine Marr. Okay. She is called the Angel of Angel Island. Okay. For 40 years. Angel
0: Island in San Francisco. In San
1: Francisco. For 40 years, her face was a site of comfort for thousands of immigrants facing the uncertainty and definitely the hostility of their new place of living.
0: Was she like Ellis Island West?
1: So, So Angel Island, for those of you who don't know, was basically Ellis Island West, but primarily for our... For the Chinese immigration, okay, and if you know a little bit about your history, you know we weren't very nice to the Chinese,
0: right? They built the even a as we needed them, and we let them survive and well t- try to survive in these really awful conditions. And
1: they did a lot of lot of really hard labor in California that they're not always recognized for. So, yeah, yeah they well, reclam- and
0: dangerous labor, like, like they're playing with dynamite in mountains,
1: right? Dynamite in mountains, and they did a lot of the reclamation of land from the delta. Oh, wow. To, so those of you who are not natives of California, in Northern California, you'll drive along the highway and you'll see these rock walls that are built with rocks just stacked on top of each other. That's evidence of Chinese labor. Yeah. Just a little personal fascination. But Catherine was a Methodist deaconess. Okay. She was also an immigrant from Canada and she was the youngest of nine. And um, she devoted herself to those... On Angel Island, and so for starting in 1912, she daily took the ferry out to Angel Island and served as a social worker. Wow! Trying to help these mostly Chinese women and children, because there was big restrictions on Chinese women coming, because we were really trying to not encourage
0: immigration.
1: Immigration. And she taught English, and she helped them write letters, and she advocated on their behalf, and she. Brought dolls for the kids and hosted Christmas parties and um, all these things. Some of these folks were detained for months and years. Wow. This is one of those hidden those hidden bits of history in the world. But she was there. And she wasn't the only deaconess, even in California, but especially across the United States who did this work. We had a whole host of them. Alma Matthews did it in New York. And she's more famous, I think. Yeah, because we named a building after her. (laughs) Did we? Saint of God, right? Like, shows up, does this work, Angel of Angel Island. I mean, yeah. Unexpected. Pretty awesome title. Pretty awesome title. Probably
0: better than Dean of the Academy.
1: Maybe. Yeah.
0: Angel of Angel, Angel Island. Island. Okay. Goes down in history as the Angel of the Angel, Angel Island. Island.
1: Right. But there are lots of saints of the world. Some we know their names, um, like Sojourner Truth is somebody whose name you know. Of right? course. Yeah. Born into slavery, escaped in 1827. Um, sued successfully to have her son returned to her. Wow. Um, who had been illegally sold over state lines. Joined the Methodist Church. Became an itinerant preacher. Great. And then advocated for the freedoms of slaves, for the franchisement of women. And I said to my congregation, I said, do you know what the franchisement of women means? And they were like, uh, and I'm like voting. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: Of course, suffrage.
1: Suffrage, right? And also, I thought this was really fascinating. Um, Persuaded uh, abolitionist Frederick Douglass that violent revolt was not the way. Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So blessed are the peacemakers, right? Hey,
0: but Frederick Douglass, he's been getting a lot of play these days in the media because he's still alive, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or so our president believes.
1: Uh, Anyway. And then uh, Frances Willard.
0: Ooh, I know that name too.
1: You know that name too? She's the one who's associated with the slogan, lips that touch liquor shall never touch mine. Oh, (laughs) well... But also uh, with votes for women, she was a suffragette.
0: Yeah. Well, I um, know what a lot of people don't know about the prohibition was that it wasn't people who just hated alcohol; it no. was people who cared about domestic abuse.
1: Amen. And so Amen. they were
0: trying to end domestic abuse, Use. and what they noticed was that in almost every domestic <gasps> abuse situation, there was some alcoholism. Huh. And so they yes did and the prohibition in order to protect women and children. And we also
1: don't understand what the culture of drinking was before. Prohibition. We, we sort of read back over history with the way we understand alcohol. Yeah. But when you consider how many breweries there were in some of our large cities, yeah. it was and it was somewhat cheaper in some t- place to drink beer than water, Yeah. then you begin to understand what the problem might have been.
0: People were never sober. <laughs> People were problem. never sober. Well, men yeah. were men never sober. Were sober. Right. And so, we all know that men make great decisions all the time, okay. particularly My when they drink. have uh, had a couple of drinks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Frances Willard was the leader of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the WCTU. We, right. we study that in U.S. history in high right. school.
1: But they also—it wasn't just about alcohol, because they also advocated for improving working conditions, mm-hmm. ending child labor, ending child labor, the eight-hour workday. Yes. Um, to raise the age of consent for women.
0: Yes. Woo. Who? Yes, that's, thank you. I think
1: that's one that we don't think about. Somebody had to fight for that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right? So that 13-year-olds weren't getting married off. Yeah. Or just, you know,
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: unabashedly taken Used. advantage of.
1: Yes. Um, and of course, the women's right to vote. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you knew this story. Do you know the story about how she was elected to General Conference? To be a I delegate to General Conference? You and- told
0: me this. Like, she was elected to be a delegate to General Conference, but then they protested or something when she tried to speak?
1: Well, she actually ended up not going because her mother was ill, but okay. the group of them that had gotten elected as women were not seated.
0: Oh, wow. Because they were women. So, General Conference for the uh, lay person among us is like Congress for United Methodists. Methodist. So, we elect people to go from various geographical regions of the country uh, so that there's representation. And then they go and they vote on our constitution, on our policies, yep. on our laws as a church. And, uh, and so to elect women and then not have them seated would be like if your senator showed up and they wouldn't let him in the doors. Yeah. Like that's sort that's of what the equivalent. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, you know, not just outside the church, but inside the church, which I think is really cool. Anna Howard Shaw, Reverend Anna Howard Shaw. Also familiar. Also familiar. She, um, so she was one of the first licensed to preach in the Methodist Episcopal Church.
0: Uh-huh, in, in the United States.
1: In the United States. Um, and graduated from Boston University School of Theology. Okay, and then we decided we couldn't ordain her. Ugh. The Methodist Protestant Church ordained her, um, and then she went on to earn a medical degree.
0: And... I think that's why I know her. Yeah, it's the the medical degree. Isn't right. she? She's there's an episode of stuff you missed in history Probably. about her. I
1: think so. Yeah, uh, master orator on behalf of temperance, world peace, and women's suffrage, mm-hmm. and um, died. World peace. World peace. World peace. Yes. She could have been in miscontinuality. She could have, uh, and died a year before the ratification of the Nineteenth. Amendment.
0: Oh no! Mm-hmm. But they were on their way. They
1: were on their way. Mary McLeod. Bethune, okay, African American woman, uh, champion of African American education, taught her siblings and her parents to read. Cool, which I think is really cool, and founded um, Bethune Cookman University. Um, Champions the rights. Is that still
0: a university? Mm -hmm.
1: It's still supported by the uh, by uh, United Methodist money. Okay, to some extent. Um, Championed rights of African American voters, um, and she would raise money for poll taxes. Oh, wow. And teach
0: So, so this literacy is one of courses. the ways that they would keep people out of voting right. was that if you, you had showed up, you had to pass an exam and then you had to pay money to vote, which is like voting is a right. You shouldn't yeah. have to pay money to vote. But it, so instead of like fighting the poll tax, she just raised money to pay, pay them so that people could just vote now and not have to wait for yeah. some long yeah, process. And, to,
1: and teach the literacy classes that were needed.
0: To pass to the pass, exam. Pass the oh, exam. that's great.
1: Um, she faced down the Ku Klux Klan. I thought this was fascinating. She was one of the people who worked to desegregate, de-segregate the American Red Cross. Oh, wow. I mean, we think about like there are all these stories of all these different pockets, right? And was an advisor to Coolidge, Hoover, and Roosevelt.
0: Cool. Like so, what kind of an advisor? Like, like, a pres-
1: like, like an advisor on...
0: Like on staff or...
1: They would refer to her when they needed help on topics. Wow. Yeah. So I know I lift up a bunch of women. So let's... I was going to say, so why why no men this time? Well, you know, sometimes... There are some men. I have some men. There are a lot of men there who are get a lot of, lot of recognition all the time, the time anyway. But I do have a few. I just reminded the congregation about John Newton.
0: Okay. Well, you'd have to remind me too.
1: Amazing Grace. The author oh, of Amazing yeah, the Grace. Amazing Grace guy. Right? And when I said, do you remember what he used to do? And there was there was a couple people in the audience who said, yes, he was a slave trader. Yeah. And he had a, a transformative experience and changed his life.
0: And then wrote this hymn.
1: And wrote that hymn and changed many, many other people's lives. Did he lives. become a pastor as well? Yes, he became a priest, an uh,
0: Anglican. I was going to say there's um, there's a movie about him, but it's been many years since I've seen it.
1: Yeah, and he's in. he was in the... the John
0: Wesley l- makes a little, a little yeah. has a little cameo in that movie.
1: Yeah, and he was in the one about the anti-slavery movement... So, just to throw out one nobody knows about, how about Godric of Finch Ale?
0: Finch Ale?
1: Finch Ale. Finch Ale? You know, you know me in the, yeah, pronouncing th- English things. In British things.
0: things, they don't, um, they, don't they, they leave out consonants. It's yeah. very confusing. I still call it W sauce because I'm just not sure. There's too many syllables <laughs> in there. too many
1: syllables. But yes, but Godric of Finch Ale, which sounds like, you know, something out of Harry Potter, was this rough around the edges would be a mild description of him as a merchant. Okay. Well... He's a merchant, or maybe, probably, he was a pirate.
0: Oh, maybe, probably.
1: Maybe, probably, okay, so he was actually a we pirate. We have
0: St. Pirate.
1: St. Pirate, right? Of
0: Finchale today.
1: But he experienced visions and laid down his plundering and took up works of compassion in a Jerusalem hospital. Okay. This is in, like, the 1100s. Okay. And also became a um, monk, Spending years, you know, in, in a solitude, cell. In a yeah. cell. And then the other story I want to share about saints is, is a story that Thomas Merton tells of walking in New York on his way to Greenwich Village. And this would have been at the earlier part of the 1900s mm-hmm. um, with his friend, Lax. And he, he describes the street as torn up and lit with lanterns as they were building the subway. And Thomas Merton is a Catholic thinker, uh, theologian yeah, type.
0: He was He was a priest as well.
1: Reese, yeah, but later, yeah. later than the story. There was an ancient Thomas Merton and then there's the more recent Thomas Merton. This is the more recent Thomas Merton. This is Merton. the Mer-
0: the recent Thomas Merton who had the prayer that we shared a few weeks ago on yeah. the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so he, he and his friend Lax are walking down the street. This moment turned out to be historical as far as his own soul was concerned. He, okay. We've had those moments, right? Where we're those just having a conversation that- and then all of a sudden we are challenged. This is the way he tells his story. I forget what we were arguing about but in the end lax suddenly turned around and asked me the question what do you want to be anyway i could not say i want to be thomas merton the well-known writer of all those book reviews in the back pages of the times book review or thomas merton the assistant instructor of freshman english at the new life social institute for progress and culture so i put the thing in the spiritual plane where i knew it belonged and said, I don't know. I guess what I want to be is a good Catholic. What do you mean you want to be a good Catholic, Lax said. The explanation I gave was lame enough and expressed my confusion and betrayed how little I had really thought about it at all. Lax did not accept the answer. What you should say, he told me, what you should say is that you want to be a saint. A saint? The thought struck me as a little weird. I said, how do you expect me to become a saint? By wanting to, said Lax simply. I can't be a saint, I said. I can't be a saint. And my mind darkened with a confusion of realities and unrealities. The knowledge of my own sins and the false humility which makes men say that they cannot do the things that they must do, cannot reach the level that they must reach, The cowardice that says, I am satisfied to save my soul to keep out of mortal sin, by which means, by those words, I do not want to give up my sins and my attachments. Mm. Saints of God, it's All Saints Day. The great cloud of witnesses and the saints gathered in this room, are you going to be a saint of God?
0: And then you got a standing ovation. No,
1: they did not give me a standing ovation, but they did clap, which is not usual. Which
0: is not normal. So I'm thinking about um, the Beatitudes and this saint idea. And um, in the small group, the young adult small group that meets at my house Mm -hmm. on Wednesday evenings, we read a a parable by Peter Rollins Mm -hmm. that was the it was the Beatitudes. It was Jesus Mm -hmm. talking to all these people, but it's told from this perspective. And at first, you're not sure who's telling the story. Right. And so you you assume it's a disciple. right? Right. And you say, well, you know, Jesus started teaching and all of these People uh, started to gather around these, these oppressed people and these downtrodden people and these poor people started to gather around and Jesus started to say things to them like that they were blessed and that God loved them and that, you know, in, in right. the midst of all of these things. And, and then he went on to say, you know, and when they are struck, they shouldn't strike back and that they should love their enemies and they should pray mm-hmm. for those who persecute them and all the things that are in the, in,
1: the, that, section, yes. in that
0: section of the scripture. And then at the end, Jesus turns to this narrator Uh and all of the people gathered with the narrator and says, these words are not for you. That these words are are for these people who are poor and oppressed and who you have labeled with, label, all with all these labels. And, labels yeah. and they are my gift to you. Ew. Because the next time you strike them, they will not strike you back. And the next time you hate them, they will love you. And it will drive you mad. mad. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that, that, that the saints are the people who are willing to be transformed. Right. Um, particularly in that last story, right? He's like, he's willing to be...
1: yeah. And he understands the or cost. Or he understands
0: that he doesn't want to be transformed. But We the cost. Yeah, that willingness is part of the battle. Well, cool. There we go. Well, thanks, Susan. You're welcome. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been talking about today, to saints, perhaps, shoot us an email. We're at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on sundaymorningsleepin.com, where there's also show notes of a type. I'll link in some of the things that we were talking about. You can comment there, or you can find us on Facebook. You can also subscribe on any podcast platform. So whether you have Apple or uh, Google or whatever, you can find us. The scripture for this podcast was Matthew 5 verses 1 through 12. And the music you're hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazzer.
1: So it is traditional at the end of a service and now at the end of our podcast, as we have been doing this for almost a year, to give you a blessing, a a sending forth. What I want to do is to tell you to give thanks to God for the sacrifices made by the saints of your life. That God would bless the memories of those saints and that we might learn from them how to walk wisely from their examples of faith and dedication, perseverance, and love. Amen. Amen.